Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Bruce, and with me, as always, the man himself, beat rider over at Dogs HQ. That's Palmer Times. PT, what's good with you, brother? Doing well over here, just ready to hit hit the road up to Knoxville, back to the home state. My parents spent a little bit of time in Knoxville before I was born, so they're making the trip from Nashville to Knoxville. Excited to see them briefly uh, and excited to see this game on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, I got nothing personal against uh, against the Tennessee Vols, but I, I got to tell you, I've never really had much of a good time in Knoxville. I've been up there a couple of times. Just haven't found the spots, man. Armpit of America before. <laughs> I haven't found the spots. I, I, I've been told by people who have lived there and have gone to school there that, you know, there's, there's some great bars and great restaurants. I hadn't found them. So if you're listening to this and you know somewhere, send it our way because I'd love to find it next time I get up there. Um, but apropos of nothing related to going out this weekend, though, I'm sure Palmer will figure out a way to work one in, um, Georgia headed up to Knoxville as well. 3:30 kickoff, another CBS game for Georgia, another uh, good slot for them when it comes to some national exposure and, um, an interesting matchup, I think with this one, uh, you know, Tennessee clicking at the right time for sure. Um, you know, this team we talked about, I think earlier on in the, the season, um, you know, it seemed like they were taking some steps forward. 
I think Josh Heupel has outperformed my expectations in year one. I, I would be surprised if that's not the case for most Tennessee fans as well. Um, you know, I think that I, I'll be honest with you. When he got the job, I said, this guy's a sacrificial lamb. I said, the, the, he will be, I said, this will be like a three and out thing because I just thought that everything was in such disarray that it would be hard for anybody to pull it back together uh, after the Jeremy Pruitt firing and all the surrounding uh, mess with that. But uh, credit to him, man. Josh Heupel has proven, you know, that that he could translate that offense over uh, from UCF into the SEC. And, um, you know, the Tennessee Vols really clicking on all cylinders simultaneously. I was saying, though, yesterday, you know, the Bulldogs getting healthy at the right time. So it's a little bit of a, a duality in this one. Uh, it's uh, it kind of it kind of goes both ways. Both teams have their upside. You know, Palmer, looking at this matchup, I guess what stands out to you? What are you looking forward to seeing out of Georgia's contest with the Vols? Yeah, before we dive too deep in, I'm, I want to ask your opinion on this here with the Josh Heupel talk. SEC Coach of the Year potentially, or, or do you have to give it to Kirby Smart if if the Bulldogs? are to win this game, finish out the SEC slate undefeated. I mean, you got an argument. You got an argument. Is this game way. for SEC coach of the year? It, it might, it may very well be. I think you've got an argument either way, to be honest with you. Um, uh, primarily just because of the Josh, uh, the, the job Heupel's done, but and Kirby, Kirby probably deserves some really, really hard consideration given what's gone on around college football this year. And, you know, just the the seeming gap between one and, and two. I mean, I, I know that he won't admit to there being such a thing, but it sure feels that way. And I think that that's the national perception as well. So, um, you know, it, this could this could be the one, man. I mean, if, if I'll tell you what, if Josh Heupel were to knock off the Bulldogs, Josh Heupel and the Vols were to knock off the Bulldogs, I think you'd have to give it to him if he, if they were to pull that one out. But uh, either way, I, I don't think either of those would be a bad choice at all. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, in terms of outperforming expectations, Hypel certainly more so than anybody else in this league so far this season. Um, you know, maybe you could make a case for Sam Pittman if if Arkansas had been able to keep up what they were doing. Yeah, uh, uh, or, or, or probably Stoops yeah, was probably Stoops on that way on that wave as well. Whenever Kentucky has a decent season, um, but in, I mean, you know, Hypel going on the road last weekend to beat Kentucky, um, Arkansas has a chance to win some big games down the stretch. But I think that there's you can make a very strong case for Josh Hypel as SEC Coach of the Year, which says no doubt. a lot about what this Tennessee team has done. Um, you mentioned it that they are an offensive juggernaut, um, and, and the way that they have been able to. Translate, uh, you know, a non-traditional offense, uh, especially non-traditional to the SEC, and, and bring that in with some success. Uh, you know, transfer quarterbacks, uh, you know, I mean, running backs that, that are stepping into bigger roles. Tennessee lost a lot in the offseason. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, I mean, that, that was that what is, I was going to say is like, I mean, they got crushed. Uh, they lost some of the absolute best players on that squad, which is, again, oh, kind yeah. of what went into my thought of, you know, like, oh, my God, this guy has got it up against him. Eric Gray's gone. Uh, you got Keyshawn Lawrence leaves for Oklahoma. I mean, they, everybody left and went to Oklahoma. To -O -to -O and, and Ty Chandler yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the the linebacker that's up at Michigan State whose name I'm drawing. Kovaris Crouch. Yep. 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 Yeah, I mean those are those are five of the best players on that squad, five of the top recruits that they got during that era, um, and then they all all mass exodus at one time. That's 
that would be hard for anybody to come back from. I, I don't care how good of a coach you are, but yeah, credit. So and and so credit to what Heupel has done so far this season. He he brings in two quarterbacks between Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. Milton gets the start to to you know kick off the season, but Hooker has been the one that has stepped in and and been uh, the saving grace for the Volunteers. Um, you know, having spoken with our Tennessee uh, reporter for the week, um, Ryan Shumpert, who is over at Rocky Top Insider, um, have a Q&A piece with him coming out uh, later today on, on Wednesday as we're recording this. Uh, but, you know, he, he said the, the, for what has been a largely optimistic, positive year, uh, the only question that kind of still remains and lingers over the what year uh, you know Tennessee has had is what could have been had they started Hinton Hooker in in week one. Uh, you might not see the Volunteers losing to Pitt, um, which you know you know if if they're able to do that, what, what are they able to do? Uh, you know, early on in that SEC slate as they take on Florida, um, you know. To me, looking at Tennessee's schedule, things really turned around for the Volunteers uh, when they went on the road and beat Missouri. Um, that is a game that I was shocked at the final score there. Yeah, uh, I think I mean, everyone was. 62 to 24. Um, you know, Tennessee started the year two and two. Um, you know, they, they beat Bowling Green in the season opener, but they don't look great. They go and lose to Pitt. Uh, and then, you know, who really cares about a 56 to nothing win over Tennessee Tech? They lose to Florida. And, and you're looking at this team like, man, they lost to two good opponents and they, you know, didn't play great against one of their, you know, lesser quality opponents uh, and, and, you know, beat the crap out of Tennessee Tech. But it's Tennessee Tech. Uh, to me, that, that, that the turning point of this season was that 62 to 24 win over Missouri. Uh, and and they've you know ridden that momentum. Obviously, they've they they lost tough games, hard fought games uh, to Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, but then they go on the road and they beat Kentucky. Looking coming into October, I you know very well thought that Georgia, that Georgia could be facing a Tennessee team that's under five hundred. Uh, you know in in you know on Saturday they are going to be five and four, and and that's a credit to testament to what. Uh, Heupel has been able to do with this offense um, defense, not necessarily up to SEC standards. Uh, they're, they're not going to blow anybody out of the waters there. Uh, but you know what hooker has done 21 touchdown passes, two interceptions, uh, one of the best quarterback ratings in the country. They, they, they throw the ball, but they, they build their offense around their ability to run the ball. Um, and, and then they take those deep shots. They don't throw the ball in, in the intermediate range a ton. They'll throw it short. Hooker has legs where he can run to. Um, you know, to me, I, I think that this game, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on Georgia's defense. And, and I think we've talked about that several times over the last couple of weeks, you know, kind of leading up to this game, you know, looking ahead and saying, hey, this, this Tennessee offense could put some pressure on Georgia's defense. Uh, probably their biggest test to, to date. I mean, the Volunteers have put up 45 points against Kentucky. Um, they put up 24 against Alabama, 26 against uh, Ole Miss, which, you know, that, that, that score surprised me. I thought that that game would, be, would have been a little more high scoring, but they put up 45 points against uh, South Carolina, 62, like we mentioned, against Missouri. So, you know, three games in this in in you know the last three of the last five games they've scored 45 or more points um 
you know, and that's a testament to what Hooker does. Um, you know, they they're fast. They run a lot of plays. It, it as as Lewis Seen told us earlier this week, if they are running a play every eight seconds, we have to be ready every five. And that puts a ton of pressure on, uh, on, on this Georgia defense to be ready to, you know, to communicate from sideline to sideline very quickly. Uh, you know, this week in practice, they're running multiple scout teams, uh, you know, having fresh legs so that, you know, to, because it's, it's so hard to replicate what Tennessee is able to do if you don't do that on a week in and week out basis. And that's not at all what Georgia does. You know, Georgia is, is willing to run the clock a little bit and, and, you know, take its time. They're not, they're not, you know, pressing the, you know, gas pedal the entire time. Uh, You know, I asked Kirby if, you know, to try and compare this to an offense that he's faced before the one that comes to mind for me would be Gus Malzahn. Uh, and some of the tempo offenses that he ran at Auburn early in his career there. Uh, but, you know, he, he wouldn't make that comparison. Um, you know, it, it's different than what Gus does. He, he said it's very similar to what, I mean, he, he said they, they have gone back and watched film from what Missouri did when Heupel was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, and so, you know, the, kind of okay. a cop, kind of a cop out there. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, would have liked to see a comparison to another coach rather than to a, a, a previous stop. But, you know, in, in terms of what this offense does, they put pressure on you. Uh, you know, Tyan Evans is, is a pretty good ball carrier, uh, as is Jabri Small. Um, those two guys. Um, Hendon Hooker, not a bad ball carrier himself. Yeah, um, and, and, and so – in terms of yards per game, uh, Evans and Small are in the top 20 of the SEC, uh, top 15, I believe. Uh, Hooker in, in that top 20 range as well. Um, you know, between between those three guys, you've got uh, 14 touchdowns accounted for on the ground uh, and and Hooker's 21 through the air. Um, on the receiving end of those of those big plays, there's three guys again, Vellis Jones Jr., who JT Daniels is very familiar with, having thrown to him at USC, uh, Cedric Tillman and uh, Javante Payton. Uh, you know, those guys have five, five, and six in terms of touchdowns. So it's very clear who these guys, uh, you know, who, who Georgia needs to pay attention to. Um, you know, Payton has hit on some big, big plays. He's only got 14 receptions this year, uh, 365 yards and six touchdowns, uh, averaging 1.6 receptions per game, but 40.6 yards. So he's he's making big plays through the air. Uh, you know, the, these guys, uh, Jones Jr. and, and Tillman, uh, bringing in four balls a game. And so, you know, the, those guys are probably going to be the consistent threat versus Peyton as the, you know, big play threat. Uh, maybe, you know, could compare him to Arian Smith on Georgia's roster in terms of the speed and, and his ability to make a big play happen anytime he's on the field, uh, but, but not necessarily being consistently targeted. Uh, you know, looking at this offensive line, Obviously, there's a very familiar face for Georgia fans, and, and that's Cade Mays at right tackle. Uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, in, in speaking to some Tennessee folks, uh, you know, they – Mays was voted a first-team All-SEC player in the preseason. That that really raised eyebrows there. Um, they, they Given the fact that he had 
been a very good contributor for them at guard and not as good of a contributor at tackle. That was a surprise, I think, because of what he did at Georgia, the name that he is, uh, the name that he was coming out of recruiting. That's that's a name that a lot of you know media and coaches you know were, were going to vote for in terms of what his potential was at tackle. Uh, and, and he's probably performed at an all-SEC level. He was offensive lineman of the week last week for Tennessee – uh, you know, over at left tackle, they've got Darnell Wright, who was a former big time recruit. Uh, the strength of this offensive line is at the tackle position uh, versus on the interior. They are not nearly as strong, uh, but it is ironic that they you know build their game around being able to run the ball. Uh, and, and so where Georgia has the potential to beat them would be on that inside where Georgia is very strong with that defensive line. Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker, when you bring him inside, you know, on a stunt or something, those guys are able to affect plays in the middle, uh, you know, whether that's stopping the run or getting after the quarterback. So, you know, to me, I think this game comes down to whether Tennessee's defense can get stops. uh, And, and because this offense is, is going to, be, uh, you know, under fire more than they have been in the past. Um, you know, th- they've been able to put up the points, but they also haven't played a defense up to the caliber of Georgia. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to assume that they're probably not going to put up 45 points in this game. Uh, you know, Georgia hasn't allowed more than 14 points this season uh, to, an, to an opponent. And so, you know, the pressure becomes – What's that? Actually, just 13. 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13. Nobody's top 13. And so the pressure gets put on that Tennessee defense to make some stops to slow down this Georgia offense. I, you know, I said it earlier today. I think that, uh, you know, if Tennessee wants to make this a game, they've got to score early and they've got to get stops early. That's how you keep this kneeling crowd into it. And, and instead of having them hit you know, head for the exits early in the uh, second half. Oh, or give them some golf balls to throw. I guess that's another <laughs> effective way to keep them hanging around. Catch sure. uh, up and all the all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you said, Georgia fans should be pretty familiar with this front. Cade Mays, obviously a former Georgia Bulldog. Darnell Washington was a guy they were pretty heavily involved with in that recruitment. Darnell Wright. Um, yeah, or I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, Darnell, Darnell Wright. Uh, and then, um, uh, you know, Cooper Mays was a kid that Georgia offered. Uh, and, you know, I wrote a couple stories on him back in the day. So, um, you know, these are guys that I know when I'm looking at this Tennessee roster, uh, for me, you know, there's not really like a position that I just, I, that screams elite to me, but in terms of guys I know, and in terms of upside, their secondary is pretty good. There's, uh, there's definitely some names back there that I recognize, you know, that are kind of, that were high profile guys back in the day. And maybe it didn't pan, maybe it hasn't pan out exactly how we thought it would for them. But at the same time, you know, I, I always feel like guys like that have the ability to, uh, you know, make plays at, at some juncture. It may not be a career long thing, but they have that ability in them uh, to make it happen. So uh, that's interesting to me to see. Now, I'm going to put this one to you, Palmer, uh, when you're talking about this Tennessee team. You mentioned, uh, you know, all the, the the stats and the points and everything. Is this the week Georgia gives up more than 13 points? I think so. I think so. I was asked for a score prediction earlier today and hadn't given much thought to it. Uh, but, you know, just just off the cuff said, I think maybe 45, 21, you know, that, that I think Tennessee is going to be able to put up points. I, I think because of what they do offensively and the, and 
you know, how, how many plays they're running, how many times you have to be right over and over and over again. Odds are the more, the more times you force this Georgia defense to be right, the more opportunities that you have for them to be wrong and, and for them to slip up. Uh, and, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think that they're, you know, very easily, you, you know, oftentimes when you watch this, this Tennessee film, you see him hit on a big play and it's like, oh, well, how is that wide receiver so open? It's because this defense is not because the defense isn't set. And so the pressure is put on the secondary there to get set very quickly. Again, going back to what Lewis said, and that that has stood out to me all week. If they're running a play every eight seconds, we have to be ready every five. And that's a lot of communication to do very quickly. Uh, and so if you're not ready, these wide receivers can burn you deep. I, I think, though, that this is an opportunity. You know, Georgia, uh, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some sort of film guy. We let John Rick handle that. I'm not a scheme guy. I, you know, I, I'm a writer. Okay, that's what I do. And I'm a, a very uh, close payer attentioner of, uh, of this team. Uh, so I'm not going to get into scheme, but I'll tell you this. I think that what you have to do, in, in my opinion, to deal with a team like this, is you just got to dumb it down. It can't be it can't be complex. It's got to be a lot of see ball, get ball. you got to let your athletes, you know, John uh, Rick, if you get over and check out our uh, our film study with him uh, from Missouri. Great piece this week, uh, as it is every week. He did a fantastic job. But he said, look, you just got to trust that your O's are better than their X's. And I think that that's what you got to rely on. Georgia is going to be able to, should be able to out-athlete Tennessee. From a talent perspective, the gap is still pretty significant. Um, you know, now you, you throw those five guys they lost back into the mix, it's a little bit tighter, no, no question about it. But it, it's a pretty sizable gap here with, when you're talking about the level of talent between these two teams. I do agree with you. I think Tennessee is going to be able to score. I think that they will break that 13 mark. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I'm ready to give a score prediction just yet. I mean, the line on this one is about 20 and a half is what it looks like it's sitting at, which is a pretty, that's a pretty sizable show of respect uh, from, from Vegas when it comes to uh, these Georgia games of late, because the lines have been pretty wide. Uh, that one's a, that one's a little tighter than you would I expect. I hear the question. If you've got it pulled up, what's the over under here? The over under on this one is uh, pretty much looks like the consensus it's about 56. Wow. Uh, I yeah. would have expected it to be higher than that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know. We talked about this, you know, Georgia, I, Georgia, I think has really worked themselves into a position. And I think that this can benefit them against a team like Tennessee. Georgia is capable of, and should be, especially in this instance against a lesser talented defense of, taking the ball and keep playing keep away from you. They can grind it out. And, and I think that that's going to be, a, I think that you'll see that be a big feature on Saturday uh, because you just, the less opportunities you can give Tennessee, the better. Um, Cause they can hit from all over the place and they can score quick and they're going to put you back on defense. They're going to try to gash you. So you need that opportunity to, um, you know, let your guys get some breaths. And, and also too, this is a great um, spot for Georgia to be in, in terms of their depth. I think that the defensive depth here and some of the reps these young guys have gotten early on in this season uh, ha have been beneficial and will be beneficial in this game because you'll be able to sub some guys in quick, uh, get some fresh legs out there and, and keep it rolling. So, um, you know, I, I think that 
if I'm looking at that spread 20 and a half, I, I think that feels about right to me. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to probably be around that area. I think Georgia probably covers that spread uh, if I'm guessing today. Um, but, you know, that's, 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 it's going to be an interesting test. And personally, I think it comes at a good time for Georgia. You know, you're going to the SEC championship, right? I mean, you've got two games past this that let's call it what they are. They're, they're, the talent differential is pretty significant. Um, you know, Charleston Southern is the little sisters of the poor. And then you've got, uh, then you got uh, Georgia Tech, which started off pretty strong and then kind of fizzled. So you've got, this is, I mean, this is a big test and this is a good one because it's probably unlike anything you've seen this year. And it's probably going to be reminiscent of something that you might see uh, in an SEC championship game, in my opinion. Your thoughts, Palmer? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. Um, you know, just just thinking about that that line and that over under, um, I would take the over um, there. But but I think that the score prediction I gave earlier today, uh, and, and you know. That again, just haven't put a ton of thought into it, but just off the cuff, 45, 21, something like that. Like you said, I do think Tennessee has the offense that can get that they can top that 13 point threshold. And, and it's not like Georgia hasn't been, you know, pressured to, you know, teams haven't put the pressure on Georgia to trying to top that. I mean, sure. Missouri was close to it, sure. um, you know, the, or, or at least close to matching it. Uh, you know, last week with, you know, a fourth and goal at the end of the game, uh, you know, and, and probably should have scored, had a couple of opportunities uh, and maybe had they stuck to the ground, they would have, um, you know, j- just teams have put pressure on Georgia. It's not like that 13 is, is you know, this magical number, this this brick wall that nobody's been able to bust through. They haven't been able to so far, but but Georgia has. I don't know. I mean, it, when they've gotten, I'll tell you what, man, when they've gotten to those goal line situations, I mean, ask Missouri, ask those guys. I mean, I mean they, they take it seriously. They brick, they, they're brick walling it, man. I, absolutely, they take it seriously. But, I mean, Kentucky probably should have topped it with sure. by making an extra point instead sure. of having it blocked. But so there's, there's 14, uh, you know, you look at Missouri, they missed a field goal. Uh, you know, that would have gotten them to nine plus that opportunity for a late touchdown there that they missed out on that would have topped it. I, I think that teams can top that 14 point total at 13 point total. Uh, and I, I think that, I think that if there's an offense that is able to do it, it's this Tennessee offense, just by the way that they spread you out and make you cover the entire field. Uh, you know, Kirby mentioned this week that a lot of the times you're seeing teams, you know, bunched in, uh, you know, with, with receivers out there spread out, but, but, you know, tight to, you know, the, the, the ball Tennessee's putting guys outside of the numbers. I mean, yes. they, they are playing wide. They, they spread you out and that opens things up for their running game too. So, you know, whether that's the running backs or the quarterback, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see Georgia slipping up here, 
but I could see this. I do think this Tennessee offense will give them some trouble, uh, you know, more than some of these other offenses have, uh, you know, because of, you know, how limited Missouri was at quarterback with, you know, with, with their starter out and rotating guys um, with how limited Kentucky was, you know, not being able to run the ball uh, and, you know, and, 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 you know, trying to get the ball to Wandale Robinson, but they were doing it at the line of scrimmage. They weren't able to, you know, get the ball downfield. To me, I think the best offensive game plan I've seen from a team so far this season against Georgia was South Carolina was their ability to stretch the field and and get the ball downfield. Uh, You know, I I think that that game, I think back on that game and Josh Van, and by the way, great job, South Carolina (laughs) with that. uh, Yeah. Gate code forty one seventeen. Uh, forty seventeen. Yeah. Good. Good. Good job, South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, but but in terms of just how I think Tennessee can attack this team, it, it is that vertical passing game. Uh, it is the speed of these re- receivers. I mean, Kirby said it best this week. He said, "Hey, we know the guys that they're beating. The, the, looking at the the film, we know the guys that they are running past, and they're good players. And, and so that means that these receivers are good players too. Yep." No, no question about it. I it's going to be an interesting one. Like I said, I, I just think it comes at a good time for Georgia. I think it's a good um, shadow, perhaps, of what's to come. Uh, if you if you want to phrase it that way, um, yeah. Because if you look at Alabama or uh, you know just or Ohio State, you know a potential matchup. Which if playoff ended started today, that's who Georgia would be matched up against. Those teams have the first round talent receivers. Yeah. I don't know that these guys are first round caliber, but they are NFL receivers probably. Uh, and and I think that Georgia is going to be challenged down the road more than they have been. I mean, even even looking at these teams that they have played that have had a talented wide receiver, whether that was Wandale Robinson, Kentucky didn't have Josh Ali on the other side. Uh, you know, he was out for that game. Josh Van was limited, you know, because or South Carolina was limited because Josh Van was their, you know, only big name wide receiver that they can really stretch the field with. Other teams are going to have multiple wide receivers and Tennessee has multiple wide receivers that they can get the ball to, you know, down the field and make plays for big gains. Alabama does, you know, Texas A&M does, if that's who Georgia were to play. And then looking into the playoffs, you know, there's, there's several teams that do. And so, um, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you here that, that this could be a good prep for you know and and ever since georgia clinched the sec east it's all been about preparing you know each and every week preparing to play in that postseason knowing that you have that you know how what are you doing over these next four games to ready yourself for that this is a great opportunity to ready yourself from for a challenge uh that that you are likely to face in in atlanta or miami or dallas or indianapolis or wherever georgia is going to be playing its postseason football Palmer over here already got the team looking ahead to the SEC title. He's very ready to skim over the last four games. Get ready for that game. No, I, hey, I agree. I agree. You call, you call Charleston Southern the sisters of the poor. I, wait, look, what, what are we gonna come on? What are we gonna? We're not, we're gonna act like this is the the, the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, the, the, the Charleston Southern for God's sakes. It is what it is. But no, I, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. Um, speaking though of looking ahead, um, we'll look ahead a little bit here in the world of recruiting. 
um, because Georgia got one coming up. Now we can't look too far ahead. This will drop on Thursday morning um, and this will be Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, out of Houston, Texas area. And that's going to be Julian Humphrey, the commitment of Julian Humphrey, four-star cornerback over on onfree.com, um, a guy who – you know, I think Georgia fans have gotten pretty familiar with over the course of this season. Uh, you know, I think that there was some interest and some, you know, talk. It seemed maybe in the spring and the summer and there was a visit, uh, you know, but it seems like things really kind of took off around uh, around August uh, with, with Georgia and Julian Humphrey. And um, at that time was a Florida commit. But people didn't really think that that was going to stick. And sure enough, it didn't. And Georgia looks to be the benefactor here. Now, what I've heard, uh, and this could change, of course, we're, we're pretty close into this. We're recording this on, on Wednesday, and uh, this is going out on Friday. What I've heard is the Texas A&M making a huge push here and uh, really putting the pressure on when it comes to Julian Humphrey. Um, you know, Texas A&M with a great pickup with Walter Nolan the other day. Uh, looks like they're really surging in this class, uh, coming on at the right time late in the season like this. Um, and so they're going to make it difficult for the Bulldogs. But I got to tell you, I think that one of the things that has struck me about Julian and his comments have been, you know, he pointed to the fact that the first collegiate coach who came out and saw him in person was Will Muschamp. Uh, Muschamp got out there on on a Friday night. Um, I forget which night it was. I forget who the what was going on the day after. I think it was a home game, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he flew in. Right. I think it was before his official visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I think it was Thursday before his official visit. Or so that Friday. was like that was like what Arkansas? I think. Can roughly Arkansas. One yeah, of those I think it was. I, I want to say it was. I want to say it was Arkansas. So, uh, but he got out to see him, and that was a really big. That ended up, I think, really striking a chord with the kid. Uh, made a big impression on him, and and um, you know, looks like it's going to benefit Georgia. Georgia's my pick for Julian Humphrey. Um, I, I think this is a situation where they, you know, are, are in a good position with several of the top defensive backs in this class. Jaheim Singletary still out there, uh, Kamari Wilson, but this guy, uh, you know, uh, one of those speed merchant cornerbacks. You know, not. Maybe not Keely Ringo's size, not a you know six two and a half guy out there, um, but maybe a little bit more like Darion Kendrick, and um, and I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think George fans would agree. So, um, you know, kudos again if they land the kid. Uh, major kudos to Jamal Adai. I think that he's really proven his medal uh, as Georgia as one of Georgia's lead recruiters. Um, you know, the charge was pretty clear when he got here, what they needed to do and how quickly they needed to do it. And it looks like in the 2022 class, it's all going to come together for them. Uh, if all those parts were to hold, uh, kudos to him. Big, big round of applause. I think the guy's done an amazing job, no question. Yeah, just just adding on to, to that a little bit. Uh, you know, like you said, it was clear when a die got to UGA that they needed to regroup in the secondary, that they needed to reload. Uh, and, and that became even more prevalent, uh, you know, after spring practice. Um, you know, in, in terms of Georgia lost eight guys, uh, you know, from last year's secondary, that they're probably not at the numbers that they need to be at right now. And, and, and Kirby has said that this season that 
Um, he, he hasn't said that directly and about, Hey, this is why we're prioritizing so many defensive backs on the recruiting trail. But it's, it's very clear when you put, you know, his comments there and, and his actions on the recruiting trail, uh, when you put those together, it, it's very clear that that was a big priority in this class of 2022. Uh, and, and, you know, single, uh, you know, whether it is Singletary or Humphrey or whoever George is able to add, uh, you know, on down the road, uh, you know, in, in terms of the secondary, uh, you know, certainly big pickups and, and potential for some early playing time because you look at Georgia's secondary, you know, they, they lost eight, but they're, they're probably going to lose some more guys this year. I mean, like you, you mentioned Darian Kendrick, he's draft eligible and probably gone. Uh, Lewis Seen is draft eligible and probably gone. Chris Smith is, is a guy who could go, maybe has would have that opportunity to come back for you know, use his last year of eligibility through the COVID season. Uh, Latavius Brainy is another guy who's, who's an, a veteran in the secondary. Uh, William Poole is a guy that they're probably going to lose after this year. Um, Amir Your Speed. Amir Speed. And so, you know, you're looking at a really, really young and inexperienced secondary next year. Um, so, you know, some of these guys that are coming in very talented, uh, you know, th- they're going to be going up against other talented and, and non-experienced guys. So, you know, that's going certainly going to be interesting to see how Georgia finishes this class out in the secondary and interesting to see how these guys are able to come in, whether that's in the spring or in the summer and and compete for jobs right off the bat. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, There's no doubt about it. I I think that, like you said, early playing times there for the taking, um, I think that's a big appeal for a lot of these guys. It's a good selling point for Georgia, and um, kudos to them to ha- for having it ready. Um, turning the page just a little bit, it is the most wonderful time of the year uh, if you're a Georgia Hoops fan, that is. Uh, and that's uh, it's Georgia basketball season. Bulldogs had their first game, what, FIU, right? Um, I, now, listen, I'm going to be honest with everybody on this podcast. Palmer already knows this. I know – nothing about Georgia basketball. I do not watch college basketball. I don't really care about it. Uh, I'll watch a little bit of, little bit of March madness. Um, I'll go cover a kid if I have to, uh, if somebody forces my hand in that, uh, I will, I don't know what I'm watching. Um, but I have been to a couple high school basketball games. Uh, but, um, dogs get it kicked off against FIU first game of the year. Uh, another year under Tom Crean, and uh, Georgia fans, I don't think you're too happy about that being the case, but is what it is. Um, Palmer, I know that you follow the team a lot more closely than I do. Um, so any quick takeaways from game one for the dogs uh, when it comes to the hoops? Well, and, and a shout out to our, to our young Jack Matheson covering the team this year. Uh, he, he'll be helping big ups, us. Big ups to Jack. Big ups. He'll, he'll be helping us with basketball coverage, especially in this overlap period of football and basketball uh, late in the football season and early in the basketball season. But yeah, Georgia comes out on top uh, 58 to 51 last night, uh, Tuesday night at Stegman Coliseum over Florida International. Um, you know, what, it, this is going to be a very interesting team to watch because they, they lose um, I believe it was nine players uh, since the start of the 2020, 2021 season, they've lost nine players to the transfer portal. They bring in 10 uh, and, and, you know, one of those guys, um, you know, that they, 
that was that they were going to be counting on PJ Horn, the only returning starter from last year, um, you know, using his last year of eligibility, uh, you know, COVID year wasn't going to be counting against the scholarship total. So it was almost an extra body. He tears his ACL and, and he will be out for the season. Um, so obviously a tough blow for him, uh, you know, after he made the decision to return to UGA. So it's going to be a lot of fresh faces uh, for Georgia fans. Um, starting lineup last night had no returning uh, players from last <laughs> year. Um, That's what you want to hear. That's a good sign. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's certainly a talented group. Um, you know, Aaron Cook led the team in scoring last night. He had 10 points. He's a Gonzaga point guard transfer. Um, so he's been around winning basketball. Um, they had Jabri Abdur-Rahim in the starting lineup last night. He's a transfer from Virginia, been around winning basketball, although the Who's lose in, in uh, to Navy on night one. Um, FAU transfer Jalen Ingram coming home. He's from Madison. Uh, he was in the lineup alongside uh, Cario Quindo and Braylon Bridges. Um, Bridges from Atlanta. Um, so another, you know, Georgia native, um, you know, they, they bring in players from Southern Cal, um, couple guys out of high school, um, couple guys from Juco, um, and Illinois, Chicago. And so these guys have, this is a much bigger Georgia team this year in, in terms of size. Um, you, you can tell that just by looking through the roster, um, I, I can't remember the last time. I think it was 2018, 2019 season that Georgia had someone that was 6'11", and that was Nick Claxton, who's now playing for the Nets. Uh, Georgia's got two guys at that size now um, between Braylon Bridges, the redshirt senior, fifth-year senior, uh, as well as true freshman Tyrone Baker. Um, those guys certainly going to be counted on, but obviously you're going to be looking at other guys as well. Um to to provide a little bit of a um, you know boost for the team, going to be an interesting group to watch. Um, it was interesting to watch them last night. Um, Eleven turnovers in the first half is not what you want to see, but they turned that around in the second half and and you know held onto the ball a lot better, played a much better defense. Um, you know, limited FIU's three point shooting, and, and so it's going to be very interesting to see this team as as they continue to uh, gel and continue to get. Uh, used to playing basketball with each other, you know, so far this season, they've, they've played a bunch of inter-squad scrimmages and, and two exhibition games. So, uh, you know, to, to go on before the season opener last night. And so, um, you know, this is a team that's going to continue to uh, grow together. Um, they've, they've got a tough non-conference slate um, travel to Cincinnati this weekend, have Georgia tech at home later uh, play Virginia in a, in a tip off classic around Thanksgiving um, Providence and Northwestern are, you know, the, 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 the same result, uh, you know, a, opponent um, from that other game on the other side of the bracket, they'll match up with them. Wofford is a team that a mid-major that has had some success as well as George Mason. And then they've got a top 15, potentially top 10 Memphis team coming in. That's just in the non-conference slate. Obviously the SEC, uh, you know, a tough challenge as well, uh, leading the way this year with five teams ranked in the uh, tied for first uh, in, in terms of teams ranked in the top 25 to start the year. Uh, Kentucky led by Georgia transfer Xavier Wheeler. Um, Auburn has a bunch of guys 
including Georgia transfer Katie Johnson, Alabama coming off of a run to the Elite Eight, Arkansas, who was one of the top seeds. Uh, they'll play Auburn twice, um, as well as a Tennessee team that is highly ranked as well, shot the lights out this uh, last night. And so certainly an interesting time of the year. Um, going to be very interesting to follow this Georgia basketball team and, and see how things play out. Yeah, well. There you go. That's all I know I about. I need to have Jack onto the podcast at some point. <laughs> we're we're going to have to have Jack onto the podcast when when football season's over. Because, like I said, I this is not anything I know anything about. I hundred days to Georgia baseball. If if uh, that there you go. Uh, another thing I know nothing about. So luckily, <laughs> luckily for me, recruiting never stops, and so that's the beauty of what I do, and so that's what I get to focus on. Um, I think that's it for me this week, PT. You got anything else, brother? Ready to hit the road up to Knoxville. Like you said, I, I've, I've been up there a couple times, but uh, you know, haven't been too lucky in terms of finding the uh, the right spot. So if you've got any recommendations, hit me up. Uh, if you're going to be up there, hit me up and, and would love to run into some dog walk talk listeners, dogs HQ members um, would love to run into you all at some point, whether that's up in Knoxville or down in Athens uh, you know, in Atlanta somewhere, you know, right there in the middle, um, in, in terms of, you know, just, we'd love to make those connections and, uh, you know, really appreciate everything that y'all have done to, uh, you know, help us grow the site. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great so far. If you want to find Palmer, you can probably go to the mouse's ear. Uh, I'll let him Google that after we get done, but, uh, <laughs> go check it out. Um, get over to dogs HQ. Like I said, we've got the John Rick film study up. Uh, we've got, uh, some recent offer news. We've got, um, uh, a great piece I thought on Darius Smith. I know I wrote it, but, uh, the interview, uh, with coach Jordan Mullis of, uh, Appling County, I thought was a, a fantastic interview, really, really impactful stuff from him. So I, pat uh, yourself on the back. Ruth, like, <laughs> I, Hey, I just ask the questions and then they say the good stuff and then I publish and get credit for it. So, um, uh, I think that's it. Get over to dogs HQ, check us out. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on and a lot more to come for sure. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you over there and make sure to tune into the next edition of dog walk talk presented to you by dogs HQ. We'll see you guys next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.